Had you had you seen this movie before? I I had, and I'm not even sure what because it didn't win. I'm I'm pretty good about watching most foreign film winners. I, I've probably seen you know 17 out of the last 20. Yeah, I think it was nominated, but I don't think it won. Right, that year. right. I would compare this film most to well, the movie that came to mind was Downfall. Not for its accuracy, because these are not specific, you know, historical figures or specific people we're dealing with, but the fact that it humanizes evil, and we talk about downfall humanizing Hitler, I think this film, you would not even call these guys evil, and... No, it it, re- it goes, and humanizing is a good word for it, but it also kind of shows that, like, a lot of the times, the, the I mean, obviously, yes, there are, suicide bombing is a horrible thing, and terrorism is awful and terrorists are bad but this kind of shows how these guys are not they don't like wake up and go to bed and and just hate 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 all day long it's almost like they're a product of their environment right and the the phrase actually this i got a lot from actually uh a crash course video you know john green he talked about it being uh competing nationalism and that basically yeah. the problem here is Palestinian nationalism versus Israeli nationalism. And you, right. think, you think about when you see kind of the extreme America national pride people who are like basically like, nothing matters except my love for America. Now imagine if another group just as passionate lived in the same place. Right. Yeah. That's what you have with Israel and Palestine. Right. And it's, it's super fervent nationalism, but also they both, neither one recognizes the other's nationalism as legitimate and neither side recognizes the other side's gripes as legitimate and also they both live in the exact same place right and also the international community is split too so like right you know you have the united states it's very pro-israel but a lot of the the rest of the international community is not necessarily anti-israel but they at least recognize you know that palestine should be its own country, or they do recognize Palestine as its own country, whereas Israel says, well, how can I be oppressing Palestinians? Palestinian, that's not even a real thing, because Palestine isn't a real country, because those are just people that live in Israel. Right, and that's always frustrating me as well, because our government is against the two-state solution, or at least, at least thus far has not been able to implement it. My biggest gripe with that has always been, as someone who is against the two-party system and has never been registered with a party, that there's no political advantage to supporting Palestine. And both sides feel like it's advantageous to back Israel no matter what. It's also, and this is this is kind of especially true in in the United States, it seems that it's it's hard for politicians to criticize Israel, the country, without being labeled as anti-Semitic against jews and and that and that does go the other way too because then it's it's hard for people to criticize the actions of palestine without being labeled as islamophobes right and that's kind of deals with the complicated nature of this whole issue and that's kind of so before we continue let's try and just kind of get out on the table that what different words mean (laughs) so (laughs) so like you know not all Muslims are Arab, obviously. Not all Arabs are Palestinians. Palestinian is a very specific thing. It's people who have an ethnic, they're ethnic Arabs that live in the area that has been known as Palestine. But also, not all Palestinians are Muslims. Right. So there's various Venn diagrams being drawn here, right? Right. Palestinian is a 
it's a it's a, a national identity. It's not a religious one. Correct. They just happen to be predominantly Muslim, but many are not. Right. Right. Yeah. So just kind of wanted to clear that all up because it this conflict does a lot of time get uh, labels at you know Islam versus Judaism, and that's that is a big part of it. Obviously, Palestine is majority Muslim, and Israel is majority Jewish. But both sides are essentially countries, and it's a national conflict, not a religious one. Even if you go back and look at like organizations like the PLO, yeah, most of the members of the PLO were Muslim, but it wasn't a Muslim organization. There were Christians that were in the PLO, but they were Palestinian and wanted a free Palestine. And I think that when it when it gets labeled as religious or, oh, you know, people have been fighting over this scrap of land for thousands of years. Like, well, I guess technically, sure. But this conflict that is happening today is not thousands of years old. It's, you know, barely over 100 years old. And it's it's a nationalism issue, not a religious one. And when you label it as a religious one, it makes the conflict sound more unmanageable than it actually is. It's almost like when you label it that you're you're being dismissive, I think. Like, oh, well, what are you going to do? It's Yeah, you're basically saying there's no hope. It's like, no, 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 there right. is hope. And it's not thousands of years old. It's decades old and can be fixed. But both sides are so stubborn. And not even just, sorry, not even just the two sides. Like kind of the whole world and anybody with a vested interest in helping it. It's We make progress, then we take steps backward. And it becomes this whole, honestly, it feels like this whole eye for an eye feeling is the biggest problem. Yeah. That, yep. well, we can't let them get away with that. Well, then, so we do something. And then, well, then they can't let us get away with that. And it's been that for decades. And that's exactly, that's exactly what they're doing in the movie. They're, right, It's absolutely. exactly what the, it's what the girl is trying to explain to Syed. He, she's trying to explain to him, like, why are you using violence? And his point of view is, well, we tried everything else. We tried being peaceful. We tried political solutions. None of that worked. So why not use violence? Like, what other option do we have? And and her, you know, side of it is, well, if you are using violence, then it's just going to, that's going to be the justification for further occupation and exactly. further violence not then towards yep. Palestinians. Yep. It's honestly similar to what we talked about in traffic with the character telling the cop that these people are just going to get high anyway arresting me doesn't make a difference blah 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 blah. so it's kind of the same thing here where doing the suicide mission won't make a difference so why are you just going to throw your life away for something that's not going to make a difference and right isn't the way to get what we want before we get into more details on the movie here i do want to backtrack and kind of spell out in a little more detail things we've been hinting at as far as this being just a decades-long conflict and not this intractable you know ancient one so basically about 100 years ago or yeah 100 eh, 130 years ago in in the late 19th century palestine because israel did not exist keep in mind Mm -hmm. palestine had about uh, three three percent of its population was jewish in the late 19th century and it was at that point, it was part of the Ottoman Empire, right? Right, true. It was all part of the Ottoman Empire, but there was, but there still was a region within the Ottoman Empire that was, you know, recognized as Palestine, and three percent right. of that population was Jewish, and there was Christians, Muslims, Jews, all living there, essentially, for all intents and purposes, peaceful coexistence. And there was 
basically after centuries of, we've kind of talked about this, you think it's about something like Fiddler on the Roof with the Pale of Settlement, settlement and Jews not being really accepted there. That was, there was, yeah. Jews have just always had a hard time being accepted wherever they were living in Europe. So right. in the late 19th, earliest 20th century, there was something called the Zionist movement where basically Jews themselves and also even advocates on their behalf recognized that the Jews needed a home base, a country that wouldn't be politically, or sorry, wouldn't be like a religious-based country, but it would just be a country right. where Jews could go and live and have a yeah. country that was their own. I think I watched the same, so I watched that Crash Course video about this, okay. and he, in it, John Green says that since, you know, because a lot of the founders and supporters of the Zionism movement were like culturally Jewish and not necessarily very religiously oh, Jewish. Right that they they viewed their idea for a Zionist state as a country, right, a a country for Jews and not necessarily a Jewish country. So not like a theocracy, but just a country where Jews could go and live and have their own country, you know, but not not religious. So, right. So so because of these efforts and this kind of sediment over a few decades, just prior to World War Two, about 30% of the Palestine region was now Jewish. So obviously that's a tenfold increase from, you know, a few decades before that. So then also, though, overlapping with that, though, you also have the fall of the Ottoman Empire and Britain kind of coming in and and controlling it and kind of saying, hey, yeah, we do want to let, you know, actually, we do watch the same video, basically that they promised the area to like three different groups. Yeah, they they promised it to themselves. They they in a deal with France, they said we are going to control this area, and then they promised it to Jews. Yeah. Or no, no, they they promised it to the Palestinians. Right. But and then they also promised it to a like a group of Arab leaders. So it was like the same piece of land that is today the the nation of Israel and where where Palestine has been historically that was promised to yes three different countries at the end of World War One. Right. And so then pre-World War II, the Palestinians kind of revolt against British control and the Jews help out the Brits. Yeah. But the Brits were also trying to reduce the number of Jewish immigrants to the area. So anyway, it was just complicated. But then World War II happens. And then post-World War II, post the Holocaust, the UN steps in and says, no, we do want to establish this Jewish state we've been talking about. So we think we're going to establish it, and basically it is going to split with Palestine. We'll have separate Jewish and Palestinian states. Yeah, and they they drew borders, right? And right. they were gonna they were gonna make Jerusalem an international zone, right? All stuff. If we could if we could go back and make it happen, it would have been nice if they had agreed. But it was the yeah, uh, it actually was the Arab side that was against it, right? The Jews were probably right. willing well, to and- sign. And they they also the the Jews kind of had the backing of the West international community right. because obviously you know post World War II and you know we're talking two years after the end of the Holocaust it's hard to argue against any Jewish cause really at at that point although anti-Semitism was still plenty high in the United States right but I'm saying but political but sorry but yeah politically as far as political stance just because it existed among the common people doesn't mean the government was ready yeah. to come in and be anti-Semitic right. And so it, it kind of galvanized international support for a Jewish state to be set up there. Um, but yeah, but you're right. It, it was the, uh, I think at that point, it was then the, the Arabs were the ones that were not satisfied with that solution. A lot of those countries had 
just gotten independence right themselves right. and they didn't and they kind of viewed that as the un taking away land that they had just after you know decades of fighting they finally had their you know their own countries and now the un's coming in and saying no you have to give up this land for a jewish state right and then israel wins the subsequent war and now right. there is no so basically the UN set up two states. Now Israel's like, no, right. it's it's all ours and there's gonna be these Palestinian right. areas, but they're all still part of Israel. Yeah. So that was in the late forties. So now we've just had this yep. conflict ever since of Israeli autonomy versus the Palestinians right to exist. Right. Which basically Israel hasn't recognized. But again, I almost feel like it's because looking at on online here, it almost seems like yes, the official stance of the state of Israel is that yeah, sorry, Palestine, but if you poll Jews that live in Israel, most of them seem to be okay with the idea of a two-state solution. Oh, really? And yeah, and it's it's more just they just can't get the details finalized, and so it's yeah. uh, it's it's a mess. And of course, then you have it's also today you, with settlements. Yeah, well, right, exactly. So you you know, there are definitely two sides to this issue, and we will discuss both of them. But obviously, it's, it's important to understand too that like. The state of Israel has not had an easy go of things since 1947. Like, they are basically surrounded by countries that don't recognize their right to exist. And, you know, and that they've been in conflict. They were willing to sign a treaty post-World War II that would have recognized Palestine. Right. And. And so, you know, they've been they've been fighting a lot that, you know, there was the Arab Israeli war. There's the uh, the six days war in the 60s which I think at one point meant that Israel controlled everything that's considered Israel today, plus the Golan Heights, which is part of Syria, plus then they controlled the entire Sinai Peninsula, which is part of Egypt. And they ended up giving most of that, well, like they gave the Sinai Peninsula back. That's not part of Israel anymore. But yeah, so lots of uh, lots of conflict over the course of the 20th century. Yes, and, and, and mostly both sides have been intractable in their in their positions and yes we kind of you know they do kind of set up you, you hear about gaza strip and the west bank which again if you look on a map of israel those are just kind of two chunks the west bank is kind of this big center yeah. chunk on actually ironically on the east side of israel <laughs> but uh it's it's the the west bank of, of the, the river. river right no right yeah. but it's kind of funny uh and then the gaza strip is kind of connects to egypt and is on the mediterranean sea side it's just kind of a smaller sliver there yeah and but then the problem is in recent decades Jews are settling in these areas that were initially set aside for Palestinians. Right. And that's not necessarily, it's, it's not like it's, I mean, there, there are definitely people that move to those settlements, you know, well, I'm, I'm Israeli and I want to take as much Palestinian land as possible. Yes, those people do exist. But a lot of the time, it's just cheaper to live there. Like the subsidies for those, that housing there are so high from the Israeli governments because they're trying to encourage people to move there. That a lot of the times people, it's like, well, I can't afford to really live anywhere else. Like, I, I mean, I, maybe I'm not crazy about taking Palestinian land away, but the government's going to do that anyway. Why not? Why not get a house? <laughs> right. You know? Right. So, to our guys in our movie here today. So, this movie is from 2004, 2005, and it's basically it's contemporary to that time. And these are two guys seem to be in their mid twenties ish. And they're just kind of hourly wage worker workers. We see them actually they're working at like an auto body shop and one of them gets fired and they're not destitute, but they're also not super successful. They're just kind of young guys working. 
And there is, like you said, there's an event where Israel had attacked something Palestinian. And basically, these guys are getting called up like it's now your turn. We're going to do our first suicide bombing mission in a, whatever in a couple years. And you guys, it's your turn. And this kind of ties into what we're saying about the humanization, where it's not this let's go and even though that's the end result, they see it as this almost like a religious thing that you're doing to help your people. And it's an honor. That's the biggest thing that kind right. of kind of like knocks you on your butt when you realize that these guys are not like, well, we do get into them being nervous and stuff. But the whole idea that they're chosen, it's it's an honor to be chosen in, from their point of view. It's like you you won the chance to do this mission and it's this great right. honor and they they shave, shave them and it's bathe them and it's like a ritual thing yeah. preparing these guys. When the, I think it's Syed, it is, yeah. When Syed is having his, the conversation with Jamal where he is initially told, like, you are being chosen for this mission, it, it, it almost, it kind of like, uh, I don't know, it made me think of like in a sports movie when like someone's getting called up to the big leagues, mm. you know? It kind of has that kind of a feel to it. Like, hey, like you, you made it, like, you know, this is, this is huge. And like the way that he's telling him, the way that Jamal is telling Syed and the way that Syed is reacting to it, it is very much like a, it's a huge honor and, and it's, it's a very positive thing for both of them. Right. They seem just kind of resigned to it. And, and it's different. You think of someone being, because they're called suicide bombers, you think of people with nothing left to live for, people who are depressed or people who are suicidal that they kind right. of recruit. It's like, no, 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 no. It's, they literally yeah. think, it's a religious thing where no you're going to fight for your people advance our nationalistic cause and then yep. join Allah in heaven and when they're going to the first time when they go to carry out the attack the plan is to have one do an initial bombing and then another one go in 15 minutes later t- to blow up like you know first responders, responders and stuff right. and they have to flip a coin to see which one of them wants to go first because they both want to go first because they're both like basically chomping at the bit right. to be able to to carry out their task. Right. And we just kind of see before, again, they just seem so normal. They just seem like normal guys. And that's what I think is just kind of bizarre. They don't seem like they're radicalized. They're just normal guys. Yep. And we kind of see them getting ready and kind of, you know, obviously they're not going to tell their their families, but we kind of see them saying their last goodbyes to their families without their families knowing it's a last goodbye. And then the one guy, had the, the cute girl has just moved back into town. And so and she seems like she's kind of flirting with them. And so he, he yeah. he's like talking to her, but has this cloud hanging over him that he doesn't want to lead her on when he knows he's getting ready to... He's not going to be around the next day. And right. So he's acting kind of weird and just they're basically having these existential crises and it's interesting. And that that dynamic between him and the girl is interesting, too, because she's more she doesn't like the violence. She wants to promote like a political and a more peaceful solution, whereas he is more radical and says, you know, well, we need to we need to put the pressure on them. We've tried being political. It didn't work. We need to, you know, we need to keep using violence. It's like one of the only cards in our deck that we actually have. But it's also kind of informed, their viewpoints are informed by their history because her father was some like revolutionary who died fighting the Israelis. And then his father was a sympathizer, an Israeli Collab- sympathizer. Collaborator was actually even, yeah. Collaborator, right. And was found out and shot. So it's it's almost like, 
you know, they're, they're both trying to overcompensate for their parents. Yeah. Right. Because he feels this tremendous shame that was brought on his family. Like, you know, I need to make up for, you know, the, the shame of my father being a collaborator. And she's, she even says, cause he says, Oh, I, I know your, your father, it must be a great honor, you know, to, to be his daughter. She says, well, I'd, I'd rather he was just around. Right. Like she basically sees the conflict as like, you know, this thing that took her father away. So she doesn't want to, the uh, the violence anymore. Which is why she's always preaching when she when she finds out at the end, she's preaching the pointlessness of what they're about to do. And right. that's actually a really powerful moment when she sees first she sees the one guy in a suit because they get separated. Their first plant, the first thing, basically the Israeli patrol just happens to be coming by as they hop through the fence. And so they have to, right. you know, get right back out, but they end up separated. Right. And so the one guy's looking for the other. They're both wearing these suits and look all nice. When the girl sees the right. first one of them wearing a suit, she's just like, what is, what's going on? What's going on? You're, you're, being, yeah. you're being weird. And the moment she sees the second one also wearing a suit, it clicks yep. that they're both been recruited to do this bombing. And she right. just kind of breaks down. Like, you can just see the grief kind of overwhelm her when she realizes, yeah. the, one, the futility, one, that she's going to lose And because guys. they... They they both uh, they both cut their hair and shave their beards and stuff and one of them even uh, says why Syed why do you look like a settler like he he tells him you you look like an Israeli because he's wearing the suit he's got a short haircut and he's he's clean shaven and so yeah when she when she sees him she says that he's weird and he looks different and he basically kind of like kind of gaslights her and says you know what what are you talking about there's nothing weird I'm just you know right. I'm just being normal but yeah as soon as she sees the second guy she's like oh okay I know exactly what's going on right. And the line, as far as the guys justifying their actions and not being scared to die, the the quote I wrote down is, death is better than inferiority. Yeah. And when you have this stronger oppressor that basically won't let you have your own country. And and, and again, we talk about this being a nonstop conflict, but one side, it is, it's a one-sided conflict. Israel has all the strength. So you don't hear about Israeli suicide bombers because the Israeli military obfuscates the need for Israeli suicide bombers. And then the Palestinians with no military, like we've talked about in a million other movies, see it as their only way to fight. And then again, it's tied to this nationalistic and religious pride. And again, you get to the concept that death is better than the inferiority that these Palestinians feel. And again, a million times, we're not justifying anything they do, but we're humanizing it like this movie does. Right. And you don't want them to succeed in their mission. You ultimately want them to decide not to do it but yeah you recognize the validity of their experience as humans and i think that's kind of the right. biggest reason to recommend this movie it's also like it's super tense and really suspenseful when when syed is walking around because the whole time he's doing that he still has the bomb strapped to him right Collie has his removed or whatever but yeah right and so he's like you know he's walking around trying to basically trying to make contact you know, with, with the rest of, well, I guess the first thing he does is he almost blows up a bus. He almost blows up a civilian bus. And he sees, he sees a little girl and decides not he to. He's a yeah. little girl and decides not to get on the bus. So then he's trying to, he's just kind of walking around aimlessly. And, uh, but yeah, he, you know, he's interacting with like his old boss and he's interacting with the girl. He goes to his house at one point and, and the whole time he has this suicide bomb strapped to him, which, and that brings me to uh, another point. This, that kind of surprised me. So there's like, there's a, a lot is this movie is, it's for sure a drama, but there was a lot of like funny stuff in it. There's mm-hmm. a lot of like little moments of levity that I, 
I didn't expect going in, but like at the beginning, I think it's actually the first scene when they're like arguing about the bumper in the car. Oh, yeah. About whether it's crooked or not. And then he ends up just smashing it off and says, oh, look, it is crooked. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when they're smoking the hookah and the kid brings him the, the tea and the, the dude throws like one coin onto the tray as a tip. And it's like these shot reverse shot. And it's got it's got to be like five times. It's like 30 <sighs> seconds of this guy. Like try to get this doing this head move, try to get this kid to leave, and the kid's just staring at him with this pissed off look on his face. Right. <laughs> and the guy's like just keeps trying to, you know, motion for him to leave and he gets like more and more frustrated. I, that was funny. The uh when they're a, a scene that is every other aspect of the scene is super somber and serious when they're trying to record their like final message. Yeah. And the the camera it won't record. And so he goes through this whole thing, and it's like this really heartfelt thing. And then immediately afterwards, it's almost like in a comedy. Right. The guy goes, oh, man, you're going to have to do that again. The camera wasn't recording. And so he starts again, and he goes, nope, nope, camera's broken. Got to stop. <laughs> right, with him doing his whole, yeah, he's got the flag behind him, and he's got the yeah. uh, he's got, assault he's rifle. Got a, yeah. He's got a gun, yep, and he's got, the, he's got his little script that he's reading. You know, he, they put the uh, the vest on him. So, you know, you know, he looks all kitted out and like this super hardcore you know jihad guy yeah terror jihadi and uh yeah and then and then when they finally do get the camera rolling his first thing is oh mom uh by the way don't forget to buy this other brand of water filters because they're better than the ones that you've been buying and the guy's like what are you water filters he's like oh yeah don't worry about it i just forgot to tell my mom that before i left yeah yeah and then the one other one that comes to mind is when they they bring them back in only the people who attach the bombs have the equipment to take them off safely, which is why Saeed is wearing his the whole movie because they don't run into him. But then Khalid's, they take off and they got the tape holding the top part on and he, and they get, yeah. it's the whole, oh, do, pull it off slow, pull it off quick, you know, rip it off quick. And he's like, man, that hurts. You should do something else. And the guy's like, yeah, right. we usually don't have to take those off. Yeah, we, we didn't, we didn't think we were going to have to take that off of you. <laughs> right. Uh. Oh, and then the, uh, so the, the final one that I have here for another moment of levity that actually did make me laugh out loud when I watched it is, so when Khalid and the girl are driving and they're, they're arguing about because that's when she, you know, she figures out what they're doing. Right. And while they're arguing, he like accidentally drives into oncoming traffic and they almost hit this car and he swerves back over. And she said, but watch the road or else we're going to be traffic martyrs. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Is that what she said? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, no, she's a good character. Yeah. And the end Obviously, it's heavily, heavily implied how it ends, but it technically yes. you don't know 100%, but you kind of do. It's probably 99%, I guess, because it fades to white, yeah. not black. Isn't that interesting how even just a fade to white right. versus black tells you what happened? Right. If it fades to black, there's hope. Right. The fade to white. So, so yeah, at the end, Saeed is ultimately on the bus. Khalid has basically been talked out of it by the girl and has decided not right. to go through with it but and Sa- it's, it's like a they, they pull a bait and switch because they they have the guy that drives them there and khalid like talks him out of it or thinks he talks him out of right. it. right they both go back to the car yeah he's basically talks himself out of it right and he and so the they they call the guy on the phone he says hey you know come pick us up and he says well both of you have to want to go back if i'm going to go back there he says all right cool so they go there and then yeah so he Syed opens the door, lets Khalid get in, and then shuts the door and tells the guy to drive. Right, and then we in the last shot we see is Saeed on a bus with a lot of actually military or police personnel, and we know he's wired up, and we just zoom in on his eyes, and then it fades to white instead of black. There's no sound, yep. 
but just the implication is that he did detonate and destroy that bus. Yeah. Which again, only the fate to white versus black is what tells you that. But it do, it does seem to be that that's what they were going for. But yeah. I, I like to keep that one percent of plausible deniability that he goes back and marries the girl and all that. But that's just yeah. probably sadly not the case. So again, yeah. it's horrible that this is going on. But I think it's important to recognize that it's real people, quote unquote, ordinary people that feel desperate enough to undertake these actions. And it's, it's different than we talked about with 9-11 and Al-Qaeda. That's an extremist group versus Israel and Palestine. It's so much more personal and so much more relevant to their daily lives. And again, we get this fueled nationalism that... Again, it's not any more justified, but I think the threshold to commit these acts is maybe lower and going to be less radicalized people because they're in such desperate straits. Is that maybe a fair way to say it? Yeah, yeah. And and when it's framed this way, I mean, I I personally could never imagine the fact that people will like commit acts like that on behalf of their religion is beyond me. Like, I don't understand that at all. But doing something, I mean not killing innocent people, but doing something drastic for your country to me is more, is more relatable. Because it's not this abstract possible heavenly thing. It's the people you right. live with and care about. And you're trying to advocate yes. on their behalf versus right. some reward you're seeking. And right. obviously this kind of plays into both sides of that with them kind of talking about the religious side of things. But the guys here don't seem to be particularly religious or focused on that. Right. And, and, they, and they do, you know, the whole time they're saying, you know, God is great. God will protect us. God will save us. And, but it's, it's almost like it's rote. They just happen to be Muslim. Like, right. That's not their motivation for doing what they're doing. Right. They're doing what they're doing for their families and for their community and their country, whatever, which again, it's horrible, but you can at least understand their motivation. It's not just a, a purely religious thing. I do really like the actor that plays Khaled, uh, Ali Suleiman. I've seen him in... He did look familiar, yeah. In some other stuff. He, he's a... So he's he's been in other movies. He's been in Lone Survivor. He's in that TV show that I mentioned in the uh, 9-11 episode, The Looming Tower. He plays a, a Yemeni general. Uh, he's the main villain in the Amazon Jack Ryan TV show with uh, John Krasinski. Okay. Which the, the TV show's... It's it's fine, um, but I I really liked him in it. But he he kind of reminds me of a Palestinian Michael Fassbender. Oh, huh. If that, and I don't usually like saying that you know, oh, this person is the French so and so, or he's a South African, whatever. But you know, in in my defense, I knew who Michael Fassbender was before I knew who Ali Suleiman was. I think they just kind of they have a similar look, I guess. And then also, if if you watch interviews with Ali Suleiman when he smiles. He has this smile where it looks like he has 150 teeth, like uh, like Michael Fassbender does. Huh. It's like it's almost eerily similar. Interesting. But. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought about that, but you're right. And okay, I think I have the right documentary here. This is one that I've seen it before, and it deals with basically it focuses on Israeli and Palestinian children, but it like it makes a point to get them to like socialize. So it's like it kind of shows them hanging out and becoming friends, and basically trying to you know recognize their common humanity that well, hey we're not that different but then kind of does follow then over a couple years as they maybe 
go their separate ways and fall more into the traditional tracks of what it is to be Israeli and what it is to be Palestinian, even though they had this friendship when they were younger. And and it's, it's a documentary nominated for an Oscar. And I'm pretty sure this is the one I've seen before, but it's just kind of heartbreaking in a different way. Because obviously in Paradise Now, they don't really deal with any Israeli characters at all. The Palestinians are just kind of, there's not even any with speaking parts, is there? Versus this documentary does just a really good job of, I don't know, almost making you hopeful, but then also sad. And it, it's been forever since I've seen it, but I do recommend it as another look into this this conflict. It's called Promises. It's a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. I suggest you check it out. As far as Paradise Now itself, it is an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was nominated for Best Foreign Film at the Oscars and actually won Best Foreign Film at the Golden Globes. Mm -hmm. So we highly, highly recommend it as an important look into this conflict. And I think it goes a long way towards humanizing people that it's probably easy to think on the surface are incapable of humanizing. So check it out. Next week, we will continue dealing with issues in the Middle East post 9-11 with the Oscar winner for Best Picture, The Hurt Locker. 